The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Well, what is the deal with these crummy wide receivers? Uh, they're scoring fewer points than Cordell Patterson. DeAndre Hopkins is not even in the top 20. Robert Woods isn't even in the top 40. Calvin Ridley, he's, he's, what's going on, Chris? He's like five yards down the field every time. What's going on here? Uh, some of those are concerning for sure. Yeah, Calvin Ridley, that Falcons offense just looks like a mess. They're throwing 32% of their targets to their running backs. They are not pushing the ball downfield. and It's a concern that Matt Ryan just might not be good anymore. I mean, we saw it last season in the games that Julio Jones didn't play. He hasn't really been... I mean, he's been below 5% touchdown rate each of the last three seasons now. Um, I don't know, man. It's really concerning because Calvin Ridley led the NFL in air yards last season yeah, by a significant I, margin. I don't think it's a Matt Ryan problem. I, I think it's no Dirk Cutter and just it a might different be a, offense. It might right be now. an Arthur Smith problem. It might be, but, you know, look, uh, they got time to turn around, obviously. But, yeah, we'll get into him. We'll get into Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs. A little disappointing so far. First, we're going to talk about this Packers 49ers game. Welcome, everybody. Hope you had a great Sunday. Hope you're ready for Monday Night Football. Should be a hey, fun Adam, one. Before we move on. Yeah. Can you send me the notes? Yes, I can. Thank you. But I think you pretty much know what, what we've got. Our five I big don't. topics. I sent you the topics. Our five big yeah. topics today are struggling wide receivers, Miles Gaskin, Kenny Galladay, Tyreek Hill, and major takes going into week one that have changed and which ones we should remain patient on. We will have Jacob Gibbs join us in a little bit. I want to read you two quotes from Aaron Rodgers. All right. Hold on. Now I'm going to send you the notes. Control V. <laughs> All right. Two Towers and Gibbs. Everybody's got their notes. Um, okay. The quote, number one. My first thoughts in devising how I wanted to get us into field goal range was, how could I get 17 the ball? 17 being Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I feel like the Niners should have anticipated that. <laughs> Um, that guy is good. And generally speaking, when a team has 35 seconds or 37 seconds to move the ball down the field, cover the, I mean, really like the one good receiver they have. Yeah. Like Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, they made plays yesterday. Robert Tunyon's fine, but like Devontae Adams, the only guy who moves the ball down the field for that team, really like at least not in big play mode. And so, yeah, I don't... He's really good. Yeah, he had 18 targets in the game. The rest of the Packers receiving group, including the running backs, tight ends, they had 12. 
And that sounds about right. There were three throwaways, <clears throat> but yeah, you should have covered Devontae Adams. The second one was even more interesting. Rogers said, quote, how can you not be romantic about football? I guess that I was guess. a pretty romantic game. <laughs> I, if you're a I don't, Packers I don't, fan. Okay, sure. I don't, I don't understand. It was a great game. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, was a great, great game. Yeah, it, was it was a fun. great Sunday. Really good I Sunday. I don't know I about it. romantic. Yeah. You know. Oh, oh, yeah. It was fine. It was but a fun anyway. game. Yeah. It was a really fun game. Let's do our takeaways from Green Bay 30 and San Francisco 28. Uh, give me your thoughts on the, you know, the, the Packers are the Packers. I don't know if you have anything to say about Rodgers. It really wasn't a great game for him, 22 fantasy points, but it's not like he played poorly or anything. Um, but the 49ers are much more interesting. And the run game, I mean, the, the run game, it's obviously directly related to the passing game because he had 40 pass attempts for Garoppolo, fourth most in his career. And yeah. Trey Sermon, of course, he scored. They always score a rushing touchdown. Uh, but 10 carries, 31 yards, two catches, three yards, had the rushing touchdown, started in 38% of leagues. You're, just your overall thoughts on the 49ers offense right now. I think Trey Sermon's the big loser from this game. Uh, I wrote my winners and losers column on, on today's FFT newsletter. And um, like he had a real chance here to get out of the doghouse, to work his way into potentially being the number one running back for the 49ers moving forward. And he wasn't good in an offense where everyone looks good. Um, you know, it reminds me of Jarek McKinnon last season where he got a handful of opportunities, but just never really did enough with them to become more than, you know, the the third best back on that team when everyone was healthy. And I think that's probably where Trey Sermon's heading. Um, obviously, injuries will play a part in that, but I don't see him holding off Elijah Mitchell. I think Elijah Mitchell's going to be the lead back when he gets back, unless, you know, if he misses unless week four and Trey Sermon does have a good game, maybe that'll change things, but... Based on what we know right now, I think Elijah Mitchell's the the lead back for the 49ers when he's healthy. Yeah, I, I don't know if this offense can just give us any running back being good because Mitchell hasn't really been that good. You know, he was pretty good against Detroit. He was pretty bad against Philadelphia. Hasty wasn't very good in his audition last year. Um, McKinnon stunk. It's really, last year was just Mostert and, and Wilson was good down the stretch. But the fact that they only gave him 10 carries when when Mitchell had yeah. 17 and 19 in two games. I think yeah. that tells you a lot. Um, but if they can't run the ball, and I looked at their leading rusher. I mean, this is just shocking. You don't see this very often. Their leading rusher had 31 rushing yards. So I said, all right, did that happen at all last year? There are actually three games last year where their leading rusher had 29 to 38 rushing yards. So they just had a terrible game running the ball. And I think the, two of them were McKinnon, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. It was never Mostert. Uh, yeah. In those three games, they threw 41, 39, and 36 times. That's a lot for them. Two of those yeah. games they lost. They gave up 37 and 27 points. One of them was a blowout win. But the point I'm making here is I didn't really think this offense. One of the reasons I didn't draft George Kittle is I did not think that this offense could sustain three pass catchers. They don't throw enough touchdowns. They don't throw enough in general. Now, their running game has gone to hell, so that could change. But um, And then I also thought Trey Lance wouldn't really be a great passer or whatever, but I don't know when he's going to start. Um, if they're throwing the ball 36 to 40 times, that changes things a little bit. And you had a very good game from Kittle. Of course, he didn't score. And a, and a touchdown from Ayuk. And, you know, a solid roll for Debo. He only had five for and 52, De- but he had Debo 10 Debo dropped targets. a touchdown. Yeah, and, and Ayuk, uh, I think, on the same drive, had was close to a touchdown. Yeah, that was, um, I, I think, the Ayuk one. I couldn't tell if that was a... Jimmy Garoppolo issue or a Brandon Ayuk one because it was a slant into the into the end zone and right. 
Uh, you just didn't have his head turned around when Garoppolo oh, yeah. threw no, it? That was such a drop. Oh, I think he should have. Well, yeah, but either yeah. way. Um, no, I, I just don't know if that was Garoppolo making the wrong read or Ayuk not being ready for it, but yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know what to make of these three. Well, I mean, I have an opinion, but you give your opinion on, on the passing game here. Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk. Um, I think Kittle is still the lead target in this offense, despite not being that in the first two games. And actually, Debo Samuel did have more targets than him yesterday. But, uh, you know, part of that is just the the role as the extension of the running game that Debo has. I still think Kittle's an elite tight end. I still think he's certainly ahead of TJ Hawkinson. Um, you know, I think, you know, Hawkinson was coming for that spot, but week three probably changed that a little bit. And, um, I think, like, I don't think Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel can be elite fantasy wide receivers in this offense, especially with George Kittle. But the bar for George Kittle being an elite tight end is very low. And I think he'll clear it pretty easily. As far as Samuel and Ayuk, I mean, it's a good sign for Ayuk that he was finally involved heavily. And that's a good sign moving forward. But, you know, the the idea that some had before the season that both could be top 24 wide receivers, I think that's unlikely. Um you know, maybe Samuel could be a top 25 to top 30 guy, and Ayuk, you know, more of a wide receiver three slash wide receiver four in the rankings. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're going to throw the ball 40 times every week for sure. Yeah. And if they have no running game, then they might have to. But mm-hmm. uh, also, they were, they were playing the Packers, but they've got Seattle and Arizona their next two games. They might throw more than we've seen in, in any three-game stretch. I wonder what the most pass attempts in the Shanahan era under, in a three-game stretch is. But uh, all right, anyway, anything on the Packers? Or shall we... Uh, are we keeping A.J. Dillon, or is he droppable? I'd like to stash him. I mean, you saw with Alexander Madison this week the, the value in stashing those guys if you don't need to drop them. Um, so it depends on who you're trying to add. If you're if you're desperate for, um, you know, Chuba Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Chuba Hubbard. Um, yeah, I would drop AJ Dillon for Chuba Hubbard. Um, if it's like Emmanuel Sanders, who I really really like, you know, I think I'd be iffy on that one. Okay, Chuba Hubbard. By the way, you may only get one game out of Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. we will get to the news and notes in a second. Let's talk about that newsletter. All right, how do we subscribe and what do we get? CBSSports.com slash newsletters. You'll get eight editions of the Fantasy Football Today newsletter in your mailbox every single day of the week except for Saturday. Twice a day on Sunday and Wednesday. You'll get my reactions to all the games on Monday morning. You'll get Jamie's waiver wires. You'll get all of Heath's columns, Dave's position or weekly previews. You get all this stuff sent right to you along with unique analysis that you won't find anywhere else. Um, and it's the only place to find my rankings. So it's a Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Subscribe. What about my, movie, what about my movie takes? Can we have like my movie takes or maybe a... If you want to send me that top once three a week, li- I, can, I can drop that in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. You give me some random category. I'll give you a top three every week. and People could just hate me for it. All right. News and notes. Christian McCaffrey still not going on IR. IR would mean he'd have to miss three games. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously not including last week. So it could be could be one, could be two. Who knows? Maybe he'll end up on IR. But you got to pick up Chuba Hubbard just in case. Yep. At Dallas next week, then Philadelphia, then Minnesota. Andy Dalton is week to week. And some injuries that we're not going to cover necessarily the big ones because we don't have updated information unless you saw anything on A.J. Brown. 
But no, I haven't seen anything. Yeah, we haven't gotten much on uh, much big news, but just some other ones to keep an eye on that won't get a lot of publicity. Arizona left guard Justin Pugh and his backup both left with injuries. Baltimore safety Deshaun Elliott left with an injury. They're at Denver next week. Uh, the Steelers did not record a sack for the first time in 76 games. They had the longest streak in football, 75 straight games. That uh, went out the window in that I loss. Think they the were Bengals. missing TJ Watt. <laughs> they were missing TJ Watt. And not a ton of dropbacks for Dalton, but still no, no. sacks. Uh, Burrow. Uh, yeah, sorry, Burrow. Uh, two Pittsburgh offensive linemen actually left with injuries in the second half. Bad to worse. That offense looks completely broken. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, uh, Devontae Adams almost had as many targets as Najee Harris, by the way. So keep yeah, that in mind. Yeah. Cincinnati cornerback Shadobia Wuzier left with an injury. They probably won't need him next week against Jacksonville or this week, whatever. Next week, we'll say. Two Colts cornerbacks got hurt. They're at Miami next week. Rocky Sin and Kari Willis. They left with injuries. This is a bigger one. Uh, New Orleans left tackle Teron Armstead is going to miss some time. So they're going to be mm-hmm. without their starting center. I don't know when McCoy is coming back. They didn't put him on IR. But they could be without their starting center, starting left tackle. They're beat up. And they get yeah. the Giants, who are also beat up, because Giants, uh, maybe best defensive player, Blake Martinez, is out for the year with a torn ACL. K.J. Hamler tore his ACL. Sterling Shepard likely, likely to miss some time, according to ESPN, with a hamstring injury. By the way, for IDP leagues, keep an eye on Tay Crowder. He got more playing time, um, or at least more tackles, with uh, Blake Martinez leaving the game, and he had 11 total tackles. Seven of them were assisted. I thought he was with the Jazz. Yeah, he, he's, he moonlights as a linebacker. Sons, excuse me. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. I, th- I expect more from you. I uh, disappointed myself. San Francisco very beat up at cornerback as they faced the Seahawks. They had two or I think two or three more injuries at cornerback last night. This team just cannot stay healthy. They they got to like hire a new trainer. I don't know. Figure something out. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. And Carolina acquired cornerback C.J. Henderson and a fifth round pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars for tight end Dan Arnold and a third round pick. Uh, they're being aggressive, and that was a that was a top ten pick in the NFL draft. C.J. Henderson. And they got basically a third rounder for him. So it's going to be a real bad look for Urban Meyer if uh, CJ Henderson ends up being really good for the Panthers because that seems like it was a poison situation pretty much all offseason. And I don't know. Mm, yeah. It's hard to, hard to, hard to feel confident in it. Not good. Hey, let's bring on Jacob Gibbs now. Jacob Gibbs chilling, re- uh, rehabbing the back injury. I just want to tell everybody that in case they aren't aware and they see you like lounging he's not lazy he's just he's got a broken back and yet he's still carrying the team how you doing man good i mean my chiefs lost again uh that was the last thing i talked to you about was i know on fft and five so not not so great but excited to talk about some football but what did we say we said hey they better step up because mike williams is gonna have a big day that's true yeah he sure did (laughs) uh and listen i we're just talking, just three dudes talking football. I think it's pretty obvious that if you give a team with at least a decent offense the ball in the two-minute drill, and all they have to do is get in a field goal range, they're gonna kick the field goal. And well, they're this gonna, is they're gonna win. The Dolphins, like the Chargers, knew that they played for the touchdown. The Dolphins played for the field goal. They should have gone for it. They lost the game in overtime. There, maybe they would have. Maybe they would have gotten stopped on fourth down and lost anyway. 
But you give that ball back to Derek Carr, you're going to lose. They're going to kick the field. Yeah. It's too easy. And kickers are too good these days. I'm not talking about the mm-hmm. Niners because 37 seconds, it wasn't their fault. You know, uh, It's not like uh, you're going to tell Juszczyk, no, don't get in the end zone or anything. But yeah, like There was I'm the, so there was the, the one play where they snapped the ball with 12 seconds left on the playcock. That's the only possible criticism you can make of it, I think. Yeah, but they were obviously trying to bleed some, some clock there. The Dolphins should have gone unconventional and said, no, we're going for this. We got to go for the win here. Teams have to realize it's too damn easy to kick that field goal. It happens way too often. All right. Anyway, first big topic. I, Dustin says, I need some discussion on wide receivers who are underwhelming to start the season. Woods and Allen Robinson are on my roster. It's incredibly hard not to start them each week by nature of who they are. What do we do? So, Jacob, I'll give you the first word. First of all, any wide receivers that you want to talk about struggling, uh, Woods and Robinson suggested, but the floor is yours. I don't want to talk about any of these guys because it's it's too relatable. I've got Woods on my team. I've got <laughs> A.J. Brown on all my teams. I've got Calvin Ridley everywhere. Uh, it's been it's been rough out here for, for some of these uh, early and mid-round wide receivers. I'm not particularly concerned about any of the names we've hit on, um, with maybe Allen Robinson being the one exception just because – that situation seems to be a little bit out of his control. Um, I guess Calvin Ridley, I think, is worth bringing up as well, um, just because what we've seen from Atlanta is really, really bizarre. Um, I don't know if you guys have talked about this much at all, but like <laughs> we talked about it at the very beginning of the show. Oh, really? But okay. only briefly. Well, then- oh, it, it's we're, and we talked about it yesterday on the recap too. And I watched the whole game. I mean, it's just they're still one of I don't know. Maybe the Dolphins had one. Going into the game, they were one of four teams that didn't have a 40-yard pass play, and they still have not had one. And that is just shocking to see from from the Falcons. Yeah. Matt Ryan, 1.7% of his attempts have gone 20 or more yards, which he's the, like, other than Andy Dalton, he's, like, by far the lowest in the league in terms of all sorts of aggressiveness um, metrics. It's it's really insane. I mean, his average depth of target is 4.2 yards. I And so it's just, like, killing all of the – downfield weapons there he's just throwing it to the running backs over and over um so if that if that doesn't change that's definitely not good news for for ridley um and ridley to be clear this wasn't like an ongoing issue last season ridley played 15 games and led the nfl in air yards and it wasn't close yeah he had 2052 air yards dk metcalf had 1768 Mm. as in second place so even when julio jones was out they were targeting him down the field aggressively yeah and uh, you know, I remember even that like that one game where he didn't have a catch but had five targets. There were some downfield throws in that game as well, and he was dealing with an injury. So it's just been a dramatic shift in the offensive philosophy. Oh, yeah. The, the good thing for him, for Ridley, is that he's going to lead the team in targets. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's been completely horrible. He's not—you don't sit Calvin Ridley. I mean, maybe you nope. just don't treat him as a number one, but he's still going to start. He has, I guess, kind of a high floor. Um, but that ceiling of being potentially, you know, the top wide receiver, it just doesn't even look possible unless they change things around. Uh, Robinson, on the other hand, I mean, how could you not be worried about Allen Robinson? He's, I don't know. My issue with him is he's just so reliant on getting heavily targeted. He doesn't make a lot of big plays. He hasn't been a big yards per target guy. And people just assume Justin Fields is going to be a huge upgrade. When That might happen, but it's not going to happen for a little while, I don't think, if it does happen at all. I, I do think that you have to wonder if you're starting or sitting him. I get they have Detroit this week, so people are probably going to go back to him. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been very troubling. Chris, is he a, is he still a must start, or is he someone that you could look for other options with Allen Robinson? 
No, I don't think he's a must start. That's not to say that I think you should definitely sit him, but you know, I've got some leagues where I probably will be sitting him this week, and I probably should have sat him uh, in week three. You know, I've got him in one league where I had uh, James Robinson, Emmanuel Sanders, and Miles Gaskin on the bench. I don't know if I'm going to start Emmanuel Sanders over him next week. I might. And I think I'm going to start James Robinson over him. So it, it's not an Allen Robinson problem. Like like Jacob said earlier, it's it's a problem with this offense. I mean, the 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 lack of creativity in the play calling yesterday was stunning, given the fact that they were starting Justin Fields. I don't know if they wanted to keep it simple for his first game, but that's the opposite of what you should do. You should be trying to take advantage of what Justin Fields does and does well, which is move and make plays on the move. There were very few uh, RPOs in this game. There were very few uh, option runs in this game. And if you're not using Justin Fields that way, and this is kind of a an ongoing issue with Matt Nagy because the best period of Mitchell Trubisky's career was that period in, God, are we going back to 2018 at this point with that? Yeah. Uh, when he was rushing a lot in the kind of middle part of the 2018 season, and he was really making a lot of plays with his legs. And they just never went back to it. And I always assumed maybe it was just because Trubisky's run kind of ended with that shoulder injury that season. But this was a troubling, troubling game for my David Montgomery and Allen Robinson shares moving forward. Do we all think Woods is going to be fine? I mean, Woods, I don't really know what to make of it. It's like the Rams offense has been you know pretty good and they've got six pass plays of over 40 yards. And I think Robert Woods' longest catch is 20 Everybody's getting, everybody's making big plays except for him. Uh, only two wide receivers have been targeted in the red zone, and it's Cup has seven and Woods has four, so at least he's getting those types of targets. I, I mean, I, people are probably losing faith. I, I think Woods is a great buy low. I'm sorry, I just cannot see this continuing. I think there are going to be a lot of good games for him. Does anybody disagree with that? No, like before the season, the the reason the case for Robert Woods optimism was one, we still think he's going to be among the lead, the target leaders on that team. If not, you know, the number one, certainly the number two. And that's been the case this season. The other part was we thought Matthew Stafford would be more aggressive throwing the ball down the field and it would lead to higher value targets for Robert Woods. And so far, uh, Robert Woods average depth of target is up to 9.32, which is higher than it was last year by about three yards. So the case for him has mostly been correct, except that him and Matt Stafford just can't get on the same page. And I think you just have to trust that Robert Woods is a great receiver. Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback and that they're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I generally agree with all that. I, for one thing, I thought the Rams were going to be more pass heavy than we've seen, especially yeah. with Henderson going down their pass rate in uh, neutral situations below 60%. Um, and how many times did they give Michelle the ball yesterday against Tampa Bay like that? I, I don't know. That surprised me a little bit. Um, and yeah. it definitely isn't helping Woods, but his rate stats are really not that bad. Um, and I'm glad his day dots up like Chris 20 said. Carries. 20 carries. Yeah, 20 I, I would bet a lot. 20. I would bet crazy. a lot we're in the fourth quarter, though. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing with their, they keep, I mean, the first, I mean, no, week one, week two was a close game. Uh, mm-hmm. But week one, they had not, Daryl Henderson, I think, had nine carries in the fourth quarter and they ran, they ran 110 plays in their first two games. This time, finally, he had Stafford throw 38 times, and they probably ran a lot of plays in this game. 34-24 win over the Bucs. Um, all right, what, anyone else, uh, Jacob, anyone bothering? Like, Stefan Diggs is off to a slow start. 
I know we're, we all seem to be a little concerned about the targets for DeAndre Hopkins. It's just way too evenly divided between mm-hmm. everyone. Uh, anyone jump out at you, Jacob? Anyone that you're concerned about? We mentioned Ridley, but anyone else? No, no one else. The only thing I would, I just wanted to add to Ridley real quick was he is still seeing him just massive uh, percentage of the air yards. He's at 49%, which is the third highest in the NFL right now. Devonta Smith is ahead of him currently and will probably drop after tonight's game. So probably the second highest. Um, so like if they just revert back to what we've seen from them in the past, where they're throwing downfield more often then with that rate stat, like we could see the air yards we had seen in the past. That's the only real sign for optimism for him. Is it's not it's kind of like Robinson. It's not his it's nothing about Calvin Ridley or what he's doing. It's just right. all about the team. Yeah. Uh I want to mention with Diggs, if you're all concerned, he his target share is down a little bit, but it's still twenty four point two percent. His yards per target is a career low. His catch rate is a career low. That's not gonna continue. And he's getting no, ten I, targets per game. I mean, he's, yeah, he's got a big production ahead. Josh Allen just didn't play well the first two games, and then Diggs wasn't the guy who had a big game during Josh Allen's big game, which right. I don't think that's a reason to be concerned moving forward. No. Targets are there. Production will come. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're, we've got a Miles Gaskin question, a Kenny Galladay question, two of the best teams in the NFL. Um, that's coming up next. You know, Dolphins aren't bad. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't include them. Well, that's coming up next on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody. The Dolphins are pretty bad. <laughs> uh, with Brissett, but they had... Look, it's, a, it's not a bad... Like they got, they're not the Bills, right? We know that, but they beat the Patriots on the road. They almost beat the Raiders on the road with their backup quarterback. Yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. I feel confident in saying that. You and I will watch the Giants-Dolphins game together this year. Oh, my oh, Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Chiefs, by the way, one game better than the Giants. How about that? <laughs> Carl Clockers says, Miles Gaskin, what to do? Chris, Miles Gaskin, what to do? You know, I grouped Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis kind of in my head coming into the season as guys who, you know, really the main argument for them, nobody really thinks either of them is all that great of a player. So the main argument for them was that they were going to dominate touches in their respective backfields and be fantasy relevant due to volume mostly. 
And that hasn't been the case for either of them. And I think they're kind of in similar situations. Gaskin last season had at least 65% of the snaps in all 10 games he played. This season, he hasn't gotten above 61%. Uh, He's still the leading back, but it's more like he's getting 60% of the carries. And, you know, I think it's like 70% of the targets. So that's still pretty good. But I don't have a lot of confidence in him being much more than, you know, the 15th to 20th ranked running back most weeks. Gibbsy? I'm super bummed about what we've seen from Gaskin, particularly this week. Um, they gave all the two-minute work to Malcolm Brown this week, uh, 15 of 22, which is a really massive sample size. No yeah. other team had more two-minute offensive snaps than the Dolphins this week. And uh, 15 of 22 of those snaps went to Brown. Only four went to Gaskin. Uh, also, Brown got all of the work in the red zone. And on the year now, uh, he's played – 86% of the snaps inside of the 10-yard line, Malcolm Brown. Miles uh, mm. Gaskin has zero. Um, oh. he's, Gaskin's only played 33% of the red zone snaps um, through three games. So it, if he's losing receiving work and red zone work, then he's left as what, like an early down back with league average efficiency on a below average offense? That's not really even someone you want in fantasy. Um, yeah. Again, I'm really bummed. I, I was a big Gaskin fan. I thought the usage was going to be there, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I trust these this week's numbers though either. Really, like, I don't know if that's going to continue. Yeah. Before that, it hadn't been that bad. Gaskin had been playing more on the two minute drill and stuff. But well, I want to comment have... on that actually because I think I may have heard a little bit of insight on that okay. uh, from the broadcast. So Malcolm Brown actually started. Mm-hmm. This game and Charles Davis, who was calling the game for CBS, suggested it may have something something to do with pass protection. It was just a guess on his part, but you know that they're in the meetings and whatnot. But yeah. um, then I didn't real I didn't know the two minute drill stats. When you combine that conjecture with the two minute drill, maybe you've got something there. Before the season yeah. started, Brian Flores said Gaskin had gotten a lot better in pass protection. But if Malcolm Brown is really um, a big upgrade there, then that that could be uh, something that sticks. Yeah. So. Malcolm Brown was out there on 22 pass plays. He ran 11 routes. So half the time that he was in on pass plays, uh, he was blocking. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gaskin was out there on 24, 29 pass plays and ran a route on 24 of them. So I think he's that... He's still being targeted at a really high rate. Yeah. When he's, he's yeah, there. he's got four catches a game. You know, he's averaging more yards per carry than per catch. <laughs> 5.1 yards per carry, 4.8 yards per catch. But uh, I, I talk a lot about big plays, explosive plays, and I think I care about it more than almost anyone. But Miles Gaskin is the reason why. Because if, if you're not getting that many carries, you got to yeah. at least have the ability to break one. And he is rarely going to do that. And that's what kind of bumps it's- me out. It, it's it's like the the idea of the high value touches that Ben Gretsch talked a lot about where, you know, you want targets, you want carries inside of the 10, because if you don't, then you have you are very reliant on big plays. And some guys can do that. Saquon yeah. Barkley, historically, Derrick Henry gets a ton of big plays, relatively speaking. Um, it's just I think Miles Gaskin's just a guy. Jacob, do you have a and house so you, phone? That, that is mean. the, the uh, <laughs> someone needs to get someone's trying to get into the building in my apartment. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Bad no, timing. Crazy. The house phone is your first guest. What year is it? That's why I was so surprised. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like that's that's the thing is like with Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis, like I said earlier, like I, I think they're pretty middling talents. I think they're kind of 
just guys. Uh, they do some things well, but I, I don't think either of them is necessarily a special player. And so if they're not dominating touches, and especially those high-value touches, and neither one of them is, then you're looking at a pretty replaceable fantasy option. Mm-hmm. Dolphins also have the fourth lowest scoring offense in the NFL. Hopefully that changes as they get certainly healthier. doesn't help. Uh, all right, so we'll finish it off. Miles Gaskin or Chase Edmonds? Who would you rather have? I'd rather have Edmonds. Yeah, I think there might be more upside with Gaskin if he gets the Royce all last year, but I definitely would rather yeah. have Edmonds. Uh, Miles Gaskin or Shh, Damian Harris? PPR. Mm. Damian Harris got benched for Brandon Bolden this week. Have mm. you seen the snaps and everything there? Brandon Bolden led the team in snaps. Yep. Yep. Well, That's they crazy. were trailing the whole game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the problem with Damian Harris is he's game script dependent. If right. they're going to throw 51 times, he's going to have a bad fantasy game. How do you um, think they're going to do against the Bucs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they really, they're one and two. They might not be good this year. Um, yeah. So that could hurt That shouldn't be that surprising. They weren't that good last year. Yeah, but they weren't um, bad. I mean, they were around 500. They weren't bad. Yeah. I don't remember what their record was. But yeah, I, I think I would probably go with Gaskin. I'm sure I'll have him ranked higher most weeks. Okay, uh, next question is from Christian. Is Kenny Galladay outside of flex range since the Giants hate scoring touchdowns? I mean, I don't think it's a... I don't think they, they hate scoring touchdowns. Oh, they I hate think it. it's just... Um, you know, it's like, I don't hate losing weight. I just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, but if you don't... If I'm you've never not, scored a touchdown, I'm just not good at the things know. that go... I'm just not good at the things that go into losing weight, I think is the <laughs> the analogy to continue it. Um, yeah, you suck in the red zone when it comes to losing weight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's always been a guy who needs to rely on, you know, really, really good efficiency, and that hasn't been there for him so far. But how much of that is just that he hasn't been 100% healthy? You know, he was limited in his snaps yesterday because of the hip. They were pulling him in and out of the lineup. You know, maybe he just needs some time to get right, but you can't feel confident starting him right now. But I do think touchdowns will come. I feel confident in Galladay as a flex with Sterling Shepard out, and especially if Darius, Darius Slayton is out as well. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, he drew a pass interference in the end zone, so that was an end yep. zone target that he got, not officially a target. And, yeah, that's, he was played 69% of the snaps. So if he continues to get healthier, I think that's going to be much better. He'll lead the team in targets, I would assume, most weeks as long as Shepard is out. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is actually, I mean, all of the numbers so far, and it's not not adjusted for opponents or whatever, but he's been basically league average. He's been a lot better than he ever yeah. has. So um, that's encouraging. I think he's. I think he's exactly that. I think he's a flex. I'm not willing to. I, I was excited about Boomer him at bust. one point, and not anymore. Yeah, Boomer Bus flex. You know, like like Brandon Cooks has been for a lot of his career. That that kind of guy. You're hoping for a big play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and anything to add, Jacob, or shall we move on? One thing I'd add is he has like one of the deepest route depths. The average route depth of like any player in the NFL. It's 12 yards last week, and that's been where it's been every single week. And Daniel Jones just typically doesn't like targeting guys like that. Um, definitely not at a high rate. And we saw like last week, as soon as Shepard went down, Colin Johnson came in, Evan Ingram, those guys were the ones he was targeting over and over and over as those short yardage guys. And it was something I was I, it's, I was really, really down on Galladay coming into the year for this was one of the reasons is like Jones has just never shown a tendency to, to target those guys downfield and slay never once in a while. Um, he is throwing downfield a little bit more this year, but ultimately his uh, – his the amount of attempts that have gone twenty plus yards is still 
not high. It's actually the lowest it's been in any of these three years. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he'll have flex value, but I think his targets are just going to be capped by the way they're using him. He's it, it truly is like higher than any receiver in the NFL in terms yeah. of uh, how far that, down the field his routes are developing. That's pretty typical, you know. Yeah. Deep deep threat guys, guys who primarily work down the field, they tend to get fewer targets. Um, right. He's never I, had more than 120, have, I think, right? And he still has had good years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always been his thing. But he's at 8.7 yards per target this season, whereas he'd been at like 10 to 11 the previous couple of years. I'm going to have Eng- Evan Ingram ranked embarrassingly high this week if Sterling Shepard's out, and I'm not going to feel good about it. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> uh, Giants at New Orleans this week. Okay, we that was our Kenny Galladay discussion. Let's go on to Randy Mallow for... What major takes going into week one have changed and which ones should we remain patient on? <sighs> What's changed since week one? I mean, obviously, Justin Fields, I think, is a... Just the rookie quarterbacks in general. Like, there's just... They've all been bad and yeah. they're fantasy poison. I don't know if you could say that about Lawrence. I'm not sure that they'd be better with a backup or anything like that, but they're fantasy poison for the most part. Uh, so that's one thing that's changed. Um, I think when you look... Well, go ahead. I'll let you guys speak. Go ahead. Sorry. I think the Atlanta situation we've talked about, if that doesn't change quickly, then like the upside for Ridley and Pitts is severely capped in the Mm -hmm. same way. If we don't like quickly see changes in Cincinnati, then I think the upside for those pass catchers is, is a lot more capped than people realize. Uh, You might consider trading somebody like Jamar Chase, um, given the hot start because like they're talking about pass rates. I think they're like in the bottom three and situation neutral pass rates. Um, I'm, the narrative has been that they're easing Joe Burrow in, um, but it hasn't changed yet, like even a little bit yeah. um, in a single week. And so the longer that goes on, the more concerned you get that like, this is just what we're getting. And Joe Mixon's just going to get slammed into the line 20 times a game. And none of these receivers are going to be that relevant on a week to week basis. The one um, thing I'm, I was big to yeah. this guy. It's one the- thing I'm close to changing my opinion on uh, is Joe Mixon and his upside. No. I loved the fact that he got four targets in week one. I love the fact that he you know, played most of the passing downs in that game. But we saw Chris Evans come in on a handful of yeah. third downs. I think there were eight third down plays yesterday. Evans played nine. Evans played five. Mixon played three. And so if he's back to not having a, a real third down role, I think that's going to limit his upside just like it. You know, has in the past. And that's really frustrating because I have a lot of Joe Mixon and I was very, very confident that he was going to get more involvement in the work, the passing game. So that's a bit of concern. Um, I've gone from thinking Ben Roethlisberger was finished <laughs> to being absolutely confident with every fiber of my being. He looks like the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, no, I, so that's bad. what I said yesterday. Then I said, no, Zach, Zach Wilson right now is worse. <sighs> Man, Ben Roethlisberger's situation's a lot better. It doesn't um, matter. I mean, you, if you had one game to win right now, right. you would go with Ben. The, uh, the, I, I think the, the like Steelers offense in miniature was captured on that 4th and 10 play to what, end the game. What the hell was that? Well, you can see <laughs> what they were going for. You can see what they were going for, which was they, they had three receivers on the right side, two wide receivers, and, and Frymouth, the tight end. They all ran like posts or goes to draw the defense into the end zone because fourth and 10 from the 11. So you yeah. figure you got to go for the end zone. Uh, and the, the idea was you draw that, you draw the defense out and you get Najee Harris into a situation where he just has to beat one guy, a linebacker. The problem is I, I pulled out the stopwatch yesterday 
And it was 1.19 seconds from the time the ball was snapped to the time Ben Roethlisberger made the decision to throw. That's not nearly enough time to allow those plays to develop. Well, I think what happened was that I was listening to the broadcast, too. I think what they said was the Steelers were expecting a blitz and the Bengals faked the blitz, basically. And Ben would have been a good maybe would have been a decent play call if they had blitzed. And they didn't. And by the way, when you said pulled out the stopwatch, that was on your iPhone or you had an actual stopwatch? Yeah, the, the, the stopwatch app. Yeah, okay. iPhone. That's, I was uh, just laughing at the idea of Chris at home with his stopwatch rewinding uh, it. It's for yeah, softball. It's, uh, it, it's, it's bad. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't want to throw the ball downfield. He's not good at it. Um, they can't block anyone. Uh, Najee Harris is going to be a top 12 running back by default, but I'm. And Deontay Johnson, I guess, will be a must-start wide receiver when he's healthy. I don't feel good about anyone else. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that that one. Uh, here, what else? What else have I have I changed my opinion on? Sam Darnold. He's pretty good. Uh, or at the very least, the situation is convinced. good enough for him to for him to to be fine. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy starter uh, consistently, but. I feel pretty good about that offense. It's not going to be the disaster we might have thought it. We thought it might be if Darnold didn't, you know, take a step forward. All right, last one from Rocky Corey, Tyreek Hill. How close is the panic button on Tyreek Hill? A thousand miles away. Guys, we didn't get the second part of that guy's question. I was like excited to actually be positive about someone and said, I feel like all day we've been talking about negative stuff. Miles Gaskin, these receivers. All right, fine. Go hey, ahead. Hey, I was positive about Sam Darnold. Who are you positive <laughs> That's about? True. Uh, I think Odell Beckham. I thought what we saw last week was yeah. really, really exciting. And it, he didn't have a huge fantasy day. Um, so, like, maybe you're a little bit wary as his owner. You know, you haven't got much yet through three weeks in terms of production. But he had a 31% target share and a 49% air yard share. Like, that's great. If he can get that on a weekly basis, like he's, you're going to be good to go. That's a top 25 receiver for sure. Yeah. Played um, 47 of 57 snaps before the fourth quarter, led the yeah. team with 34 routes run on 40 pass plays. Um, I, he had a much bigger role than I thought he would. Yeah. I think stay patient with him. And then the other guy is stay patient with Mark Andrews. I think uh, we've talked about this, but like yeah. his route involvement is better than any tight end in terms of the amount of uh, routes he's running and ter- like compared to drop X. And we finally saw him be targeted last week, similar to what we've seen in the past. Um, and it still hasn't, you know, didn't find the end zone. Um, but if if this continues, like, he's definitely a top three tight end. Um, so stay patient with him as well. Also, okay. I know Marquise Brown had a bunch of drops yesterday. But, <laughs> man, he was, like, fingers away from a just truly massive game. He probably, he dropped at least two and maybe three touchdowns in this game. Yeah. So as long as they keep using him the way they are, uh, I think Marquise Brown is going to be a, a solid starting fantasy option most weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, we'd be talking about him kind of like Mike Williams. If he had had yeah. the game that he should have had, we'd be talking about him as one of the best uh, draft picks. Mike Williams, I think, right now is my candidate to be the, the fantasy MVP, basically, be the best value in drafts. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, finally, Rocky Corey asks, how close are we to the panic button? Chris said not a 1,000 miles away or something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, Jacob, any concerns about Tyreek Hill? No, definitely not. Um, I've watched the last two games as a Chiefs fan, and it's you see this happen intermittently throughout the season where teams are just like, we're not letting Tyreek beat us. They've got people matched on man-to-man everywhere, no matter what scheme they're playing, and they've got too deep almost every single play. It's just they're just making you beat them with other guys. Um, and 
what will happen is Kelsey will rat off a couple of big games and then he'll get that treatment and then Tyreek will start playing well again. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, Travis Kelsey's currently the number three wide receiver. <laughs> so, you know, I think that kind of tells you like there's there's no reason to think that offense isn't what we hoped it would be. There's no reason to think uh, that that passing game won't be what we hoped it would be. And, you know, Kelsey will slow down a little, like Jacob said, and Tyreek will heat up or they'll just both be awesome like like last year. Well, one thing that we're seeing, though, is teams are blitzing the Chiefs uh, less frequently. The last mm-hmm. three teams to beat the Chiefs, I saw this, uh, I think, in The Athletic today. Actually, it was published last week. The last three teams to beat the Chiefs before the Chargers did blitzed them five times or fewer. That included the Bucks in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then what did they, what did we, nine blitzes last uh, on Sunday for the Chargers? I think so. I think it was only 20% was the final rate I saw. So they're playing very deep. They're not letting Tyreek Hill beat them, and they're not blitzing. And we'll see. Like, yeah, look, this. I remember the Bills game last year. The Bills kind of did the same thing. They just said, "All right, we're not gonna, we're gonna let you run the ball." And they had 26 carries for Clyde edwards Ziller in that game. And Mahomes had a pretty crummy game because he only threw, oh, uh, he threw 26 times, same amount as uh, Clyde edwards Ziller had in carries. Tyreek Hill had three targets, three catches for 20 yards. They figured things out after that. Then they went absolutely berserk. And if he, it was yeah. if it was easy to stop the Chiefs, yeah, exactly, it would be easy. You know, like people would do it more than three times a year or whatever it ends up being. Like right. there's, like, and this is a similar stretch. Tyreek Hill had three catches for twenty yards in that Buffalo game. He only had fifty five yards on six catches the next week. The only difference is he scored a touchdown in that game. He didn't yesterday. Yeah. Uh, then he had at least ninety eight in four straight games, including two hundred and sixty nine yards in Week Twelve. So. Yes, it only takes one nuts. time with Tyreek Hill getting past the defense for him to turn that completely around. Mm-hmm. One time, it's like the uh, like, the Danny O'Shea speech at like, halftime, like beating Kevin O'Shea yes. down yes. Cherry Hill. That's what I say. Yes, good job. All right, Giants, Giants. There we go. The only good ones. <laughs> the only good Giants. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks very much. I, by the way, I found out. Little inside. I can't believe I got that. It was actually Cherry Hill in the movie. I can't believe I got that reference that is, right. I'm I so proud of myself. That. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. It's Little about. Giants. Uh, Come on. <laughs> Sorry. I found out insider information. Scott Hansen of NFL Red Zone has never seen Little Giants. Wow. wow. Yeah, I know. Because I, I know this because Adam Rank of NFL Network has never seen Little Giants. And I uh, we got into this whole Twitter thing about it. And I said, make sure Adam Rank watch, watches Little Giants. And he said, I've never seen it. So. Scott wow. said, confess that to me. And I was going to go to the papers about this, but I said, no, like this is his. Well, now now you reported it on one <laughs> yeah. of the most widely listened to I fantasy know. football podcasts in the world. It's on YouTube now. It's a uh, way to keep the secret. <laughs> it's out there. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for, uh, for watching and listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire on fantasy football. Today.